1: Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615.
0: www.thebiblelive.com
2: or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 1888 that's P.O. Box 1888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, this is Baron Wiley and March 16th 2000 was one of the greatest days of my life that was one of 10 days when I went to the Holy Land one of ten days where I walked where my Savior walked, where I boarded a boat and floated through the Sea of Galilee, stood on the Mount of Olives where Jesus prayed, walked through the Kidron Valley like Jesus did when he went up to Jerusalem. I touched the Western Wall and looked up to the sky and prayed where millions have been praying to God 24-7 for over 2,000 years. I stood where King David stood, where he overlooked the old city. And on that spot, on March 16, 2000, I propose to my future wife, Shan, the most life-changing, unforgettable week of my life. My dear friend, join Alistair Begg, KSLR listeners like yourself and other believers, the week of October 24th, 2015, and experience Israel with Genesis Tours. Travel with comfort and ease, stay in four- and five-star hotels, and it's so true you will never read the Bible the same way again. Experience Israel this fall. All the details at KSLR.com. Hi, this is Baron Wiley, and March 16th, 2000, was one of the greatest days of my life. That was one of ten days when I went to the Holy Land. One of ten days where I walked where my Savior walked. Where I boarded a boat and floated through the Sea of Galilee. Stood on the Mount of Olives where Jesus prayed. Walked through the Kidron Valley like Jesus did when He went up to Jerusalem. I touched the Western Wall and looked up to the sky and prayed where millions have been praying to God 24-7 for over 2,000 years. I stood where King David stood, where he overlooked the Old City. And on that spot, on March 16th, 2000, I proposed to my future wife, Shane, the most life-changing, unforgettable week of my life. My dear friend, join Alistair Begg, KSLR listeners like yourself and other believers, the week of October 24th, 2015, and experience Israel with Genesis Tours. Travel with comfort and ease, stay in four- and five-star hotels, and it's so true you will never read the Bible the same way again. Experience Israel this fall. All the details at KSLR.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture reading program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar.
3: Glad to be able to join you each and every evening. My microphone is being turned up a little louder. Let's get us on the air. So you can hear me way out there. I'll yell a little louder, okay? Thanks for joining us. Folks, uh, Jacob is going to be joining me here just a little bit. He's out working on a benevolent uh, charitable project this evening, so he's going to be a little bit late coming in, but we look forward to him joining us As always, giving us that that Hebrew, that Jewish perspective of the scriptures that we've been reading through and commentary, and of course, answering your questions and responding to your calls as well. Our phone number is 340-9585. That's our local number for the Bible Live Quiz Show, 340-9585. If you're dialing here locally in the city or in the South Texas area, if you are dialing long distance, if you need to uh, join us via the Internet, perhaps or anywhere across the continental United States, you can join us here on the Bible Live program as well. That toll-free number for you, if you'd like to join us on the on the uh, telephone, is 877-630-5757. And as the intro said, we've got some questions here for you coming out of our readings This past week on the Bible reading program, Monday through Friday, uh, here on this great station at uh, 9.30 in the evening, you get a chance to tune in and hear a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures, and we make our way through the entire Bible, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, every year. So this past week, we read the last five chapters of the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. Chapters twenty through twenty-four. We finished up the Gospel of Luke, and then we uh, moved back into the Hebrew Scriptures, where we'll be for just a season now, for First and Second Samuel. And so we read First Samuel chapters one through fourteen. So we'll be asking you questions tonight that came from those two major uh, segments of reading from the Gospel of Luke and from the Book of First Samuel. Also, though, every evening we read a wisdom, what we call a wisdom and worship segment, a portion of scripture from the Psalms and the Proverbs. Always very uplifting, encouraging, instructive. Uh, So we enjoy that segment of the program. And we read Psalms 53 through 55, Psalms 53 through 55, and Proverbs uh, chapters 7 and 8. So we'll be asking you questions from those um, readings as well. So if you're ready, let me start putting out some questions for you. And you can give us a call at 340-9585. You can give us a call then and answer the questions, win some great prizes. We have some uh, excellent prizes from our our program sponsors, from Express Lube. Uh, We can help get that oil change you need. For uh, your automobiles, we've got the rose cleaners. We've got some things from the Bible Live. Uh, 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 That's the only one that's kind of a discount if you would ever like to have a copy of the entire Bible on uh, CD. Or we can put that as well on uh, MP3 uh, format so that you can download it to your uh, iPhone or your iPod. Whatever instruments you use, you could have it there for yourself as well to have the entire Bible uh the New Living Translation there in as an audio resource for you to listen to the scriptures. And of course you that way you can listen to it at your schedule. Uh, you can follow along with us on our same schedule and uh and make it your way through the scriptures every year as well. So anyway we've got a number of prizes for you so you can give us a call, win those prizes, and uh we'll have a great time talking with you about the scriptures. Now let's give you some questions to answer. From Psalm fifty three What kind of person says in his heart, there is no God? Now, this statement is used several times in the scriptures. We find it. But Psalm 53 is one of those places. What kind of person, according to Psalm 53 here, what kind of person says in his heart, there is no God? God does not exist. Uh, of course, atheism is on the rise here in the United States of America these days, and so there seem to be a number of people willing to go out on that limb, uh, a higher percentage, I've, I've heard at least, in some uh, polling a little higher than in uh, maybe in decades past. Well, let's go to the Proverbs. My house is the road to the grave, quote, unquote, road to the grave, and my bedroom is, quote, the den of death, unquote. The den of death. My house is the road to the grave and my bedroom is the den of death. Who am I? Who am I? Who is this person uh, mentioned here speaking in Proverbs chapter 7? My house is the road to the grave and my bedroom is the den of death. It sounds like a place you do not want to go, right? Uh, Give us a call if you know the answer to either one of those questions from the Psalms and from the Proverbs, 340-9585, 340-9585. That's the local line for the Bible Live Quiz Show. Now, let me give you a couple of questions. Fernando's on the line already. We'll get to you just quickly, Fernando. Let me get a couple more questions out there for other listeners. Um, Let's look at this in... Luke chapter 21. I'm going to give you two questions from the Gospel of Luke. While Jesus was watching the people one day uh, giving their offerings, people were coming to to leave their offering there at the temple, there was an occasion when just two pennies, what I think would be known as two lepta, uh, uh, two coins, just two pennies, very, very little uh, money in in one, one sense at least, Why were just two pennies considered to be the biggest offering of the day? All right, that's found in Luke chapter 21, verse 1. While Jesus was watching the people give their offerings, why were just two pennies considered to be the biggest offering of the day? Look in Luke chapter 21, verse 1. All right, let's see here. Another one, uh, questions from the Gospel of Luke. Peter, let's talk about old Peter, who always entered into the room mouth first. Uh, he talked a, a big talk. He boasted and pretty a little bit arrogant. Until I think he learned humility and brokenness in his life, and maybe this contributed to that. Peter boasted that he would never, never betray Jesus, uh, that he would ge- go even to death for Jesus. But Jesus told Peter that he would deny even knowing jesus three times before what he would jesus told peter that peter would deny knowing jesus even knowing him being acquainted with him three times before what happened all right that's found in luke chapter 22 verse 34 luke 22:34 you can answer that question give us a call 340 95 Eighty-five. Now let's go to the book of First Samuel in the Hebrew Scriptures. Back to the Tanakh, as uh, Jacob is uh, always glad to give us a little bit of that Hebrew jargon, you know, and let us learn a few of the words from the Jewish perspective of the Scriptures. Back to the Old Testament, we're picking up in the, the book of First Samuel this uh, transitional figure between the time of the judges and the time of the kings, between the time of the priests and the times when the prophets became more influential. So let's talk then about the book of 1 Samuel. Samuel's parents were Elkanah and Hannah. Samuel's parents now were Elkanah and Hannah. Elkanah's second wife, her name was Penina. she ridiculed Hannah constantly. She ridiculed her and made her life miserable. Why? Can you answer that question? Why did Panina, Elkanah's second wife, why did he ridicule Hannah constantly? Give us a call. That's found in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. What was, uh, H- Hannah had a problem and, and uh, Panina ridiculed her and teased her because of that. Constantly, what was the problem? Chapter one, First Samuel, chapter one, verses six and seven. Um, let's see if I can find another question for you. Let's go deeper down into the book of First Samuel. Uh, let's look at. Let's go back. Let's go further back into chapter nine. It says here that Saul, now we're going to talk about this in, this individual named Saul, uh, who later becomes the first king of uh, Israel. Saul was out on an errand for his father. His father's name was Kish. Saul was out on an errand when he first met the prophet Samuel. What was that errand? And he was out on this errand when he met Samuel and learned, uh, he was told by Samuel, that he was going to be the first king of Israel. So uh, I'm asking you, what errand? His father had sent, uh, Kish had sent his son Sam, uh, Saul out on an errand. And when he, in, in, in the course of that errand, he met uh, the prophet Samuel. What was the errand that Saul was sent out for? By his father, Kish. All right, that's good. That's six questions out there for you. If you know the answers to any of those questions and like to give us a call and answer them, 340 9585 is the phone number. And so let me get our phone lines uh, geared up here and go and talk with Fernando, who is joining us tonight from here somewhere in the city of San Antonio. Hi, Fernando. Hi. I'm glad to, you called in tonight. Let's see what you can, uh, uh, which questions you would like to answer. And maybe you have another comment. I don't know. But uh, is that, uh, do you have a question in mind that you liked?
4: No, just I was going to answer that
3: first uh, question. Okay. The first, the first question, question is, was, uh, according to Psalm who, 53.
5: Who, sa- who says in his heart uh, that there is no God? Who, what kind of person? His heart. Th- who? Who is that? A fool says in his heart a that there is says no says God. In
3: his heart, there is no God. I, I, I uh, you know, that's not me saying that. That's the Bible saying that several times. Why do you think it is a foolish thing to say, Fernando? I mean, just kind of you and me talking together. Is it? Is it because it's just so evident that there is a Creator, that there is a, 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 a supreme being that it, that it, it reveals? That it's just foolish to think that there's not. That's right. Is, that, is it just that, that it's so evident? Uh, I wonder if that's the only reason a fool says in his heart, there is no God. It, it,
4: is, it
5: is very evident. Anywhere you look, that there is a God who
4: designed everything.
3: Yeah, it seems quite evident. And almost everywhere you go, you'll find people saying, yeah, clearly. I I mean, I've been in 35, 40 countries of the world. That's not all, nearly all the countries in the world, but that's a lot of places. I've talked with men and women and young people from all of those different cultures, and I mean, I can tell you for sure the great consensus is, yeah, uh, there is a supreme being. There is a creator out there, a designer of everything we see in our world. And uh, But it says in the Scriptures repeatedly that a fool says in his heart, there is no God. I suppose that's that that question about the existence of God and a Creator is so fundamental to life. It it determines the way we, to a great extent, the way we're going to live our lives. Are we going to live our lives with that truth in mind? The fact that we're going to be held accountable. The fact. I mean, do do we want to know the Creator? Do we seek Him and love Him and want to honor Him with our lives? Uh, or do we not? Are we grateful to him for the life that he's given us? There are a lot of really fundamental questions that come out of our answer to the question of God, and so I suppose uh, that's what the uh, psalmist had in mind. Let me ask you a little follow-up question, if you don't mind, Fernando. Would you like a question from uh, the Gospel of Luke, or maybe a question from the uh, the Book of First Samuel? Let me—I'll try to yeah. get you a. A nice yeah, little question I, you can answer. Uh, um the the book of Luke, Let's you try about, it. Oh. you spoke about Peter and him denying. Yeah, what Jesus. Yeah. Jesus told
1: him
5: that the cock would crow before he denied him 3 times or after you know he denied him the cock would crow.
3: Yes. That the, before the rooster before the rooster crowed in the morning that Peter was going to deny even knowing Jesus yeah. 3 times. And and That's we right. saw in the record there, that turns out to be the truth. A little servant girl confronts him, and Peter says, "I don't even know the man." You know, he. Um, it, it turned out to be a very true thing, and uh, of course, I, I'm sure it's very humbling for Peter. It said that he wept great tears of regret after that time, after he had betrayed his friend uh, and, of course, his leader, uh, Jesus the Messiah. Good job, buddy. You are done a good job tonight, Fernando. We congratulate you. You are a winner on the Bible Live the Bible Live quiz show. Let me get my little my little my little sound effects down here. You did a great job, Fernando. Let me turn you over I think to I like listening I like
4: listening to your show. I don't listen to your show all the time. But- Every chance I get, i
3: listen to it. We're glad you're there, Fernando. No kidding. Talk to uh, John now, and he's going to take down some information so we can uh, send you a, little, a few little gifts, all right? All uh, right. Thank you. Don't go away. Don't go away. Hang in there and talk to John. He'll get that information from you. All right, folks. Uh, so John called in and showed you how it's done. All you got to do is give us a quick call, 340-9585, the local line at least. And if you'd like to answer any of those questions, my house is the road to the grave, we're told in Proverbs chapter 7. And my bedroom is the den of death. Who is this person uh, whose house you do not want to visit? All right, you can give us a call if you know the answer to that question. While Jesus was watching the people give their offerings in the courtyard uh, of the temple, why were just two pennies considered to be the biggest offering of the day? That's found in Luke Chapter 21. How is it that this very tiny little offering, just two very, uh, two simple coins, uh, very little money actually, but Jesus said that, uh, this person had given more than anyone else, the biggest offering? Why, who was that person and why was it considered, uh, so, her offering considered so big by Jesus? Um, now let's go to another question. I'm going to throw one out there because, uh, Fernando answered, that question. Uh, on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, uh, giving his life, pouring out his life of, on our behalf, uh, carrying out his destiny, Jesus quoted from Psalm 22, the opening words from Psalm 22. Uh, what were those words? When the people heard him say it, they thought he was calling out for Eli. But uh, you and I know that he was quoting. Psalm 22, What are those famous words that Jesus cried out from the cross on at the day of his crucifixion? So that's another question for you from the Gospel of Luke. Now from the book of Samuel we have these questions uh, that we remember that Elkanah and Hannah were I mean I, I, I'm sorry, Hannah and Panina were two wives of Elkanah, this man named Elkanai, and Elkanah's wife Hannah uh we know that they are the parents of Samuel the the writer of the pre, the prophet there highlighted in whose life is highlighted with the book of 1 Samuel Elkanah's El- El- second wife Peninnah ridiculed Hannah constantly why was that chapter 1 verses 6 and 7 why did the second wife Peninnah ridicule Hannah and then finally, this question, Saul was out on an errand for his father, Kish, when he met Samuel and learned that he was going to be the first king of Israel. What was that errand? Find that in Luke 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3. ninety five eighty five. 9585 that's our phone number. Get on the lines right now. We'll be back right after this Dr. brief Stan message. Dr. Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist.
1: Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait, and I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it.
3: Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning?
0: They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer
2: service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done.
4: They do good work. I just love
6: Rose Cleaners.
4: Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here.
0: They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose
3: Cleaners, serving San
0: Antonio for over 20 years.
3: Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes nature's factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes?
4: Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus, leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets.
3: Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the
2: 21st century, 831-3535. Hi, this is Baron Wiley, and March 16th, 2000, was one of the greatest days of my life. That was one of 10 days when I went to the Holy Land. One of ten days where I walked where my Savior walked, where I boarded a boat and floated through the Sea of Galilee, stood on the Mount of Olives where Jesus prayed, walked through the Kidron Valley like Jesus did when he went up to Jerusalem. I touched the Western Wall and looked up to the sky and prayed where millions have been praying to God 24-7 for over 2,000 years. I stood where King David stood, where he overlooked the old city. And on that spot, on March 16, 2000, I propose to my future wife, Shan, the most life-changing, unforgettable week of my life. My dear friend, join Alistair Begg, KSLR listeners like yourself and other believers, the week of October 24th, 2015, and experience Israel with Genesis Tours. Travel with comfort and ease, stay in four- and five-star hotels, and it's so true you will never read the Bible the same way again. Experience Israel this fall. All the details at KSLR.com.
3: Back. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Live quiz show tonight. We are taking your phone calls 340 9585. 340 9585. And uh, if you'd like to call, answer some of the questions that we have out on the airwaves, we uh, would love to have you visit with us. 340 9585. So we've got one call on the line right now coming in. So you give us a call. John will pick you up, and then we'll get you on the air as soon as we can. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Let me see here. Robert is on line one. Let's go directly to him. And uh, John, I have your uh, schedule here. If you want to, whenever you want, might want to get it, let's go and speak with John. Hi, John. Rob- oh, I'm sorry, Robert. I'm so sorry. I was talking to the the guy through the glass window, and I got my John instead of Robert. Hi, Robert. um, Robert, are you with us now? Can you hear me? Hello, Sophie. There you are, Robert. Glad to hear your voice tonight. Thanks for calling. Let's see what we've got. Do you have a question that you wanted to answer or maybe another comment about the passages we've been reading?
5: Well, throw a question at me.
3: Okay, let's have a question come up. I'll review some of these for you. When I find one, when I tell one that you know the answer to and want to answer, you just let me know, Okay. Tell you what, just pick one
4: and I'll see what I can do.
3: Oh, this is from Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 8 through 27. It's kind of the basic theme of that chapter of the Proverbs. My house is the road to the grave, and my bedroom is the den of death. Who am I? Who is it that says that in Proverbs chapter 7? Strange
4: uh, woman or the wayward woman.
3: Okay. the way- What did you say, the first woman? Strange woman. Okay, the strange woman, the wayward woman, or uh, pretty much understood to be uh, an adulteress, the adulterous woman, uh, uh-huh. the, uh, sexual immorality, and maybe a woman of the night, you know, that sort of thing. So we have the immoral woman uh, that um, says, My house is the road to the grave, my bedroom is the den of death. And I, I assume that was true way back even then, but today, with all of the dangers of. of Uh, of illicit and and, and immoral sexuality it is more true today than perhaps any other time there's some terrible consequences of this uh, immorality sexual immorality and of course our culture is just kind of um, sinking in it we really do need to listen to what the wisdom of the scriptures in that passage you know for sure well let me give you another question quickly uh robert While while i got you there All right. This woman in Luke chapter 21, Jesus was watching the people as they gave their offerings. And he saw this woman and said she gave two pennies, just a tiny little bit of money, actually. And Jesus said she has given more than anyone else. Why was her offering considered to be the biggest offering of the day? That's chapter 21 of the Gospel of Luke.
4: It was because that was all she had.
3: <laughs> That's very simple, straight forward lesson. She gave all that she had, and and uh, I, I've always been touched by that story. I don't know why. Every time I read it, it just touches me. I think of this poor little lady, poor, uh, but but still, her love and devotion for God was so great that she put it all on the line. You know, she she gave it all. I I, I hope I can be. I just hope maybe my life can somehow reflect that quality as well, Robert, that that I'm willing to just put it all out there um, and give everything I have to the Lord, make it all available to him, that if he wants to take it away and if he wants me to put it somewhere or help some particular person or project, that I'd be willing, I, I hope I would be willing to do that. Uh, how do you feel about that story when you read it? Is it as touching to you as I I find it?
4: Yeah, it is, and uh a lot of times I hear like uh the health and wealth preachers where they speak on that one and tell people, you know, and they appeal to the ones who have nothing, you know, yeah. what you don't even have, yeah. <laughs> and you'll get tenfold, and I'm like, well, that's kind of shameful, you know.
3: <laughs> right. You know, the
4: lady gave out of her heart, not out of, you know, someone compelling her.
3: Or promising and her great riches, she yeah. She didn't
4: give it to get, get, get exactly. bold, you know.
3: Yeah. It is a very humbling passage for all of us. I think giving is, uh, of course, giving is one of the great lessons, perhaps the core, one of the great core lessons of our lives, that we, when we give our life to God and we trust in Christ, uh, we die to ourself. And so we are not our own anymore. We're bought with a price, and we are here to serve and honor and glorify God, and and to serve and love others. And so we that's we're supposedly to take that take that that model that Jesus set for us when He poured out His life on our behalf, and we're supposed to be giving ourselves away each and every day uh, to others in the name of the Lord, and of course to the Lord Himself. A great lesson for us from the Gospel of Luke. I sure appreciate you calling in to remind us of it, and you have been a, a great contestant. You've been a winner on the program. Let me turn you over to uh, uh, John and let him take down some information, and we'd like to send you a, a little thank you gift from the program, all right? All right. Sure appreciate you calling, man. Take care. Don't hang up now. Talk to John, and he'll get that information from you. John, who's on this other line? Um, let's go to the second line, if we can. Uh, who do we have here on this second line, John? Let's see. I'm not quite sure who this is. I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. Let's throw in, let's throw in a a replacement question. It could be Ashley is her name. It could be that Ashley was going to try to answer that question. So let's throw in a uh, a, a replacement question just in case. Um, What did the Passover meal, we're looking at Luke chapter 22, Jesus sits down with his disciples in his last week of his life to commemorate, uh, to take the Passover meal with his disciples. What did the Passover meal commemorate? Uh, What did it uh, mean to the Jews and what new meaning did Jesus give to the Passover meal? As he sat with his disciples, and of course, it's the meaning that we today—one of the great meanings that we as well um, celebrate and observe when we observe the Passover. So, what? There's a replacement question that you have. What did the Passover meal commemorate for the Jews, and what new meaning did did Jesus give it in uh, Luke chapter 20, 22 verses nineteen? 19- and twenty. Now, let's go uh, to the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, this is a who am I question. My armor bearer and I bravely attacked a, a Philistine garrison and sparked what became a great Israelite victory for my father Saul. My armor bearer and I bravely, courageously attacked a Philistine garrison, just two people attacking a whole garrison, and that sparked what became a great Israelite victory for my father Saul. So this is a son of Saul. And the question is, who am I? You'll find the answer in First Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. Who was this brave warrior, this brave soldier, who was a son of the first king of Israel named Saul? Let's go to our... Phone lines and listen to Ashley as she answers some of our questions tonight on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Hi Ashley. Hello Did you have a good day, a good Sunday? I
1: did, I did. I'm on my way back home now.
3: Well we're glad to have you back home, right? Did you uh were you traveling in business or work or do did, did you go to I uh,
5: visit
3: family. Oh, how about you? Good. Did did y'all get a chance to visit church uh today or, or were you did no. you take okay, I was gonna I always like to find out what uh, what preachers are preaching around the area, uh, what they're talking about. It's always kind of curious to me. If we presume that God is speaking to our preachers, to our pastors, and giving them a message, it, it's always interesting to find out uh, what kind of messages he is giving to uh, his servants today, to his people. Uh, I've always found that a great curiosity, very interesting. But since you didn't make the church today, we'll go ahead and ask you, did you hear a question that you wanted to answer for us tonight? Yeah,
5: um, I think I know
1: the Hannah one.
3: Okay, let's go to that. Uh, I'm thinking you might you might be thinking. Of, uh, it says Elkanah's second wife, Panina, was ridiculing Hannah constantly. Now, this one of the great lessons of this is uh, one man, one woman, one wife, for life, uh, this idea Ideal. of uh, is, numerous yeah. wives—that—that's you're invited. It's a lot
1: um, I believe um, it was because Hannah
5: was barren.
3: You're exactly right. Hannah was barren, and there was this unhealthy competition between the two women, and Panina constantly ridiculed Hannah, which caused her a great deal of pain, and um, so that I guess that highlights one of the great reasons that God's word teaches us: one man, one woman for life. That, this idea of having more than one wife or more than one spouse, is uh, it always has seemed to me rather foolish and dangerous, but uh, some people did it. But that's what we see in this particular family. Penina ridiculed the, the uh, other wife, Hannah, constantly. Now, let me ask you a follow-up question, and I think you could answer it. I believe you sound informed about this. The priest, Eli, was at the tabernacle, and he saw Hannah... Hannah and the family had made a trip to the tabernacle to give their offerings, and he saw Hannah at the tabernacle. He, he thought she was drunk, but what was it she was doing? Um, I think he
5: was crying and praying to be able to have a child.
3: She was pr- calling out to the Lord in her anguish. She was praying. That's chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, verses 9 through 16. Do you remember what happened?
1: At- uh, I uh,
5: Eli came out and, and talked to her,
3: and... Yeah, he thought she was drunk at first and kind of uh, berated her, was going to correct her, and she said, I'm not drunk, I just I have this problem. And what did he tell her about her problem, that she couldn't have a child? I don't
5: remember.
3: He told her that she was going to have a child, right, that uh, a year from now, and, uh, Val, and Hannah made a promise to him a promise to the if Lord she would actually
5: dedicate her, her son when he was born.
3: If if she was indeed going to have a child, a son, that she would dedicate him to God, never cut his hair, which is what we call uh, from the old testament scriptures there. This was um, uh, what was the kind of this was a, yeah. a vow a certain kind of vow that they made, a Nazar, Nazarite. It's not a Nazarene, because uh, that would be someone from Nazareth, but it was a Nazarite vow Nazarite vow that uh, Hannah made that if God did indeed give her a son, she they would dedicate him his entire life to God, and of course that's how uh, Samuel, that's how Samuel came to be. That she became the mother of Samuel, and he became a great great prophet and leader of the people of Israel. Thank you so much, Ashley, for calling in, and uh, you've answered great. You're a great winner on our program, and we're going to send you a prize package, and uh, hopefully you you can stay on the line and give that information to John, and we'll take care of that, all right? Sooner or later, we're going to get those prizes out, and folks will enjoy those here as we get deeper into the year. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Don't hang up, Ashley, all right? All right. Ashley's now on the line. Let's go quickly to Mike, another caller here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. You can do the same thing, 340 Ninety-five, eighty-five, three, four, zero, nine, five, eight, five, and uh, answer some of the questions that we have. I'll have to put out some new ones now that Ashley has answered some of those. But let's see what Mike might want to do first. Mike, did uh, did Ashley take away the question you were going to answer, or would you no, like?
1: No, to- I um, I could actually either handle the the question on uh, First Samuel, okay, uh, or the or the question on the uh, Passover.
3: All right, good. Let's do. Let's go to that one. Uh, what did the Passover meal, we read about it in Luke chapter 22, Jesus uh, 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 observes the Passover for the last time now with his disciples there in Jerusalem during the week of his death, his Passion Week. And w- my question was, what did the Passover meal commemorate for the Jewish Hi. people, and what new meaning did Jesus give it on that evening?
1: And uh, it commemorates the, uh, the angel of death passing over the firstborn of the Hebrew uh, during the in the book of Exodus.
3: Right, the Exodus. The final,
1: from... the, the, the final of the plague visited upon the Egyptians uh, by God just before Pharaoh let, let them right. go. Right,
3: when uh, Moses was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and God delivered them, out of the land of Egypt. Great, that's exactly right. Now, what did what new what new meaning or what new uh, idea or did 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 that meal come to commemorate now for the followers of Jesus?
5: Well, and then
1: uh, Christ Christ took that and transformed that into a remembrance of His sacrifice uh, before He went to the cross. That He says, you know, do this in remembrance of Me. That My uh, the shedding of my blood for your sins, and the breaking of my body.
3: Uh-huh. Exactly right. And, uh, of course, we do that even to this day, don't we, in our congregations and churches uh, around the world?
1: If you can to celebrate that in, in my church here just very shortly.
3: <laughs> That's right. Well, we uh, we see it, the, the themes are similar, though. It's God delivering people of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage uh, there, and then we see, which is a symbol of and a picture of the ultimate deliverance of God delivering His people uh, from every race and tribe and tongue over the, around the world. God delivering us out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom and our, our slavery and bondage to sin. He is delivering us as well through the work of Messiah. Very good. You've done a great job. I appreciate you calling in, answering both of those questions for us. And if you don't mind, please hang on and talk to John. And we're getting lots of winners on the program tonight. That's great. Awesome. Okay, don't go away, friend. Uh, Get that information, John, and we'll send a little package, a little envelope of uh, prizes and gifts for our winners tonight on the Bible Live Quiz Show. We're going through a lot of questions here, and that's always good uh, to get these. Uh, If you're listening to the program tonight, maybe you did or did not. Know the answer to each of these, but all of these come from our Bible readings this past week. So you can call it as well and answer any of these questions. And let me give you a couple to replace them. Let's go back to our readings from the Psalms Psalm 55. Okay, we're going to talk about Psalm 55. It's considered by some, by many, to be a messianic psalm. In fact, it's quoted in the New Testament. Uh, as a psalm that was predictive, it tells us something about the Messiah, something about Jesus, uh, his life, his character, or something about his, the events uh, and the circumstances of his life and ministry. Psalm 55 is considered to be a messianic psalm be, because it betrays, I'm sorry, it describes uh, the betrayal by a friend who betrayed Jesus. The Messiah, okay? Who is it? Psalm fifty-five portrays uh, and describes betrayal by a friend, and boy, well, that's that's some of the most hurtful wounds the human being can have. Is uh, not we're not surprised when our enemies hurt us, but it's we're surprised and hurt deeply when our friends, people who we thought cared about us and loved us, uh, betray us. Well, that happened to the Messiah, who betrayed. Jesus, and uh, and we read about it, of course, uh, this week as well, in the Gospel of Luke. Psalm 55 predicted it. Who was it that betrayed Jesus? Okay, now let's go to the book of, uh, I'm going to go to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, I'm going to give you, uh, what? No, not that question. That's a, a, I'm wanting to give you one that I know or think that a lot of people are going to be able to answer. Um. Uh, you have this question already out on the uh, airwaves. On the cross, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, what he quoted something from Psalm 22. Psalm 22, the first verse. Uh, what did Jesus say from the cross that came from Psalm chapter 22? And then he also quoted something from Psalm 31. All right? Psalm 31. That's a little bit less known. We don't. It doesn't seem quite as famous as the first quote, but from Psalm 31, uh, in chapter 23, while Jesus is on the cross, chapter 23, verse 46, if I'm not mistaken, it may have been the last words that Jesus spoke. Uh, I'm not absolutely sure of that. It comes from Psalm 31, and uh, it's found in Luke chapter 23, verse Verse 46. What was this biblical quote that Jesus said from the cross? So I give you those two more questions. Uh, who do we have? Who do we have on the line? I've forgotten. John can tell me here in a moment. Uh, who we have? Let's see if there's one more question. Saul was out on an errand for his father Kish when he met Samuel. What was that errand? What was the errand that Saul went out on? His father sent him out. Uh, when he met Samuel and learned that he was going to be the next king of Israel. And finally, this question, My armor-bearer and I courageously attacked a whole Philistine garrison, just the two of us, and this sparked what became a great Israeli victory for my father Saul. Who is this, uh, who is the son of the first king of Israel, Saul, and he uh launched this attack this two man attack on a on a whole philistine garrison it's found in first samuel chapter 14 what was the name of this son of king saul there you have it let's go and visit again i am so richard is on the line thank you richard for calling in appreciate having you let's uh let's see what question you might have wanted to answer tonight all right
5: uh I, I would like to try and answer the question of the betrayal of a friend.
3: Oh, yes, indeedy. Uh, in the life of Jesus, uh, these, of course, we're talking about his Passion Week during the final chapters of the Gospel of Luke. Who betrayed Jesus?
5: Um, was this in the area of the Last Supper?
3: Yes, it was after the Last I, Supper at, they went out. Uh? Uh,
5: at the Last Supper, uh, if, if I remember right, he said uh, something like, "And yet one of you will betray me."
3: Yes. Who did and, that turn uh, out to be? Uh,
5: that was Judas.
3: That was Judas. Uh, do you know his last name? Iscariot. <laughs> Iscariot. Yeah, there are several Judases uh, uh, that were in. Do I have that uh, right, Iscariot? You, you got it exactly right. Uh, you sure did, Judas Iscariot. And uh, he was seated at the table. Do you recall how he betrayed Jesus? How
5: uh, he kissed him. Yeah. Uh, to let the uh, soldiers know, and he did it for thirty pieces of silver.
3: That's right. He t- for money. And he uh, tried
5: to give. I guess he tried to give the silver back. Yep. And uh, and they wouldn't let him give it back.
3: Thirty pieces of silver, which was the going rate for a slave, uh, It was predicted that amount of money in the Book of Zechariah. We're told That's the about the baddest
5: those- part. Uh, every time I read that. Uh, I think that's one of the saddest parts
3: of the whole Bible. It is, isn't it? it it's
5: uh, how his own one of his own disciples. Yeah, uh,
3: it, it, the wounds of a friend—they're uh, so hurtful. Betrayed him. Yeah. The
5: other one is when Peter denied
3: him. Yeah, but you know, in the uh, end, uh, and of course, this was also predicted in Zechariah. The the sheep, uh, it says that they flee. The shepherds will flee, uh, and all of Jesus' disciples fled into the night and kind of disappeared. Uh, yeah. Of course, they were afraid for their own lives. I understand that. They would have been killed, probably. It, it's very likely. They would have been arrested and, and punished as well. But a uh, uh, very human response, but it, it uh, left Jesus uh, alone in that in that, mo- that moment of his life. But, I, I, uh,
5: I wanted to ask you something uh-huh. uh, when Jesus was on the cross. Uh, I'm, I'm going back. Uh, he said it in Hebrew, uh-huh. but uh, um, it was beautiful, but I can
3: never remember it.
5: And it makes me mad that I can't.
3: That little phrase, uh, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabactani. Yeah,
5: that, I, I, uh, uh, I think that's that's. Oh, it's it's pretty. Yes, it, it uh, is. I, it's sad, but it, it's beautiful that he yes. has the uh, courage and energy to utter it.
3: Yes, and and he was relating to the that Psalm 22 is just a perfect picture, of uh, without even before crucifixion had been invented as a means of capital punishment. Uh, Psalm 22 describes death uh, on the cross very graphically. Uh, you know, they they die of, of lack of breath; they can't breathe. Their legs are broken, and so on. Now, his legs hey, weren't my, broken. My
5: problem is I've got a good imagination. That's why I try I not to think too much of the crucifixion. The because...
3: more, yeah, the more you can graphically envision it, it becomes more hurtful. And but in some ways, sometimes I think it's good. I remember when I went and saw. Uh, the first time I went out and saw the Passover uh, of the of the uh, Christ, uh, what is it called? Is that the name of it? The Passion. The Passion. The Passion of the Christ. Was that uh, Mel? Uh, yeah, or... Gibson. Yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I, there was the most graphic. I saw it. Yeah. The most graphic picture that I had ever seen, and I remember just sitting in my in that seat in the cinema and just weeping, just crying, great tears, thinking that's what yeah. he was willing to do for me. It is. It's very touching. It truly is. Yeah,
5: you can uh, almost imagine the pain uh, of them nails. Uh,
3: I know, I know. The
5: spikes, and not
3: nails. He did it for us. Uh, he said, "No one takes my life. I lay it down voluntarily." I, he could have called ten thousand angels. We're told, but uh, I know he took I our pain. What a uh, wonderful message, and what a what a wonderful salvation God has. I'm, uh, I'm
5: glad your program's on. I'm going to let you go. I've eaten up too much of your time. Oh, thank
3: you, brother. If you'd like to stay on and give your information to John, we can no, send I, you a price. No, I, I got to tell message.
5: you the truth. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I never was in for a lot of material things.
3: I understand. Don't worry. Uh, all right, friend. Thanks for calling. We appreciate you right. very much. Uh right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> who do we have on the line here, John? I've forgotten. Another Robert. I see Robert. Thank you for calling in. A different Robert tonight.
4: Hi, can you hear me?
3: Uh, well, loud and clear. What a great voice you have, Robert. You should be on this I, end I, really, of the radio.
4: I, I'm kind of sick, so maybe it's coming out deeper.
3: <laughs> That's great. You should be on this end of the radio at least. Uh, well, for, I, at least I, when you're I, sick, I,
4: I'm sort of Yakov's uh, replacement tonight.
3: There you go. We we'd like to have you on. Did you hear one of the questions tonight
4: that you could answer for us? Or? I, I, I did. Uh, 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 he he, he uh, on the he quoted the the psalm. And, and martyrs all through the ages have tried to quote the scriptures while they're, while they're dying. Make your dream of visiting the Holy oh, Land a reality. We
3: are. And from, Israel. Hang on a second. Uh, Let me history. put that down so we can hear you. There you go.
4: Martyrs all through the years have tried to quote the scriptures while they're dying to help them, help them deal with what's going on. And uh-huh. he, he quoted, Into your hands I commend my spirit.
3: Yes, from Psalm 31, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Yeah, that. I'm sorry for that break, that uh, spot came in, but we're, we're coming up on our top of the hour break and we need to have a, a, a musical break in just a moment. But I'll, uh, yeah, he, he said, uh, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. It's a quote from Psalm 31. W- were those the last words, Robert, do you remember, do you recall?
4: That I think could be. He actually... also said, it is finished, which may or may not also be a, a passage. Uh... Right.
3: Right. It is. Yeah, who knows? He may may have had some passage in mind
4: for that as well. It has peace because shalom means uh, completion.
3: Yes, peace. Excellent. You have been a great reminder for us and a great winner on the program. Do you mind if I turn you over to John? And uh, we'd love to send you a little package of prizes if we can. Right now, though, we've got to take a quick break. Don't hang up now. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back after this brief break with another half hour of the Bible Live Quiz Show. Give us a call.
1: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
3: All right, we are back. You're listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show. And I'm here. And Jacob has joined us finally. I I can't hear anybody. Well, let's see. We'll try to get your... uh, Uh John's coming to rescue us. He's going to turn on your uh, headphones. I've got your microphone already up and loud. Oh, can you hear me? How'd your project go tonight? Oh, it was very nice, very nice. Yeah, I I like what you were doing So I forgive you for being late. <laughs> good to see you
6: back in the chair, pal. Uh, I, can he- I can hear you a little bit now, John.
3: I don't know if you've been hearing yeah, the program or not, but we've had a lot yeah, of good. listeners.
6: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I was listening on the radio as I was racing over here. By the way, did you know the speed limit on 281 is not 100? <laughs> and Did you know the city was so nice they provided these guys in these cars and uniforms to stop and tell you what the speed to limit was? To let is. you know, to yeah. remind you of that. I, yeah. I've...
3: I've been um, those guys have uh, stopped me and reminded yeah. me a few times. Yeah, they were very kind.
6: And <clears throat> when I got here, I was running so late, I uh, locked oh. my keys inside the car. Oh my goodness! Well, we've all done
3: that too, Jacob. There's nothing new under the sun, and uh, we'll we'll get through the program and we'll get that get that all taken care of. Somehow or other, we we'll just uh, lay our hands on the car and say. <laughs> in the name of Messiah, open, and we'll see what happens. Then we'll call the guy to come in, and open it, right? Oh, you could be. Thing. But they anyway, got, we'll see what happens. Right now, we've had a lot of callers this uh, this evening. We've got a, had a lot of. I guess they heard I wasn't purple. there. Uh, they just called in. One of them even mentioned, "I'm calling in to take Jacob's place tonight." So he uh, he helped us out, and we've had a lot of good callers. A lot of questions have been answered tonight. Let me review the questions that we have out on the airwaves. Uh, Let's see here. Let me find them. One of them, um, we're going through all of our questions. uh, Let me see. On the cross, now this was quoted just now. We've had someone called in and gave us both of the passages of Scripture that Jesus quoted uh, on the cross. Uh, One was from Psalm 22. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the other quote was from Psalm 31. It said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Into your hands I entrust my spirit, uh, which very um, powerful uh, quotations, very p- powerful words from Messiah there on the cross. And, of course, again, demonstrating how full Jesus was of the scriptures. Uh, even till his very dying breath, it, God's word was on his heart and mind uh, and he spoke in biblo- biblical terms from the Old Testament passages. Now then um, let's give you a couple more questions from the Gospel of Luke. We've already had the question answered, how did Jesus betray? I mean how did Judas betray <laughs> Jesus in the garden? And we found out that that was through a kiss that was used, a kiss of greeting to uh indicate to the arresting officers uh, who which one was Jesus so that he could be arrested um, let's let's ask this question let's see if you know this one folks. when Jesus died it was three o'clock in the afternoon uh, he had been hanging on the cross for, since six in that morning, uh, if I understand correctly if I remembering the details. When Jesus died, it was three in the afternoon, and we're told that a curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Can you tell me what curtain was that referring to? What curtain in the temple was torn uh, when Jesus gave his life up, when he said, it is finished and died on the cross? What curtain in the temple was torn? Uh, That's found in chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 verse 45. And then uh, let's go and ask this question. What did Jesus use? Now, on Resurrection Day, it says there were a man named Cleopas and possibly his wife or pr- possibly another disciple were on the road uh, to Emmaus. They were traveling, walking together, and they were in mourning, of course uh weeping and and, uh, and sadly remembering the life of their uh, leader uh, Jesus Yeshua and he says the, that they were walking on this road and Jesus actually met them uh, there and they didn't recognize him at first. What did Jesus use as he was talking to Cleopas and his other these two disciples what did Jesus use? to show, to demonstrate to these two traveling disciples that mes- that Messiah had to suffer, that Messiah had to die and then be resurrected. Uh, this seemed to be a surprise to the disciples, although Jesus himself had told them several times. But how, how did Jesus know himself that he was going to uh, suffer, die, and be resurrected? And what did he use to... Uh, Teach these two disciples, what did he use to teach them that, hey, this is not something to grieve about or to weep about? This was something that was necessary. The Messiah had to do this. That was it was uh it was it was his destiny. What did Jesus use to show the two traveling disciples that he had to that the Messiah had to suffer, die, and be resurrected? Now that's found in Luke chapter four through uh chapter twenty four, I'm sorry. Verse 27, and uh, that incident is, but what did Jesus use to demonstrate that truth to these two disciples? Okay, now in the book of First Samuel, I don't know, Jacob, maybe you have some questions there that you've thought about. Uh, we've had two or three already answered. Uh, folks kind of prefer, prefer tonight the New Testament because we generally know the New Testament a little bit better, uh, as Christian believers at least. And uh, so we haven't answered as many from the uh, book of 1 Samuel. But uh, we have these questions out on the airwaves. Saul was out on an errand for his father Kish when he met Samuel. And Samuel told him that he, for the first time, that he was going to be the king, uh, that he was going to be the first king of the nation. What errand had his father Kish sent Samuel out on? What was the errand that he was taken care of. And then, um, let's see here. My armor bearer and I, two people, two uh, soldiers, bravely attacked a Philistine garrison, uh, and this sparked what became a great Israeli victory for my father Saul. So this is a son of Saul who attacks a Philistine garrison, and becomes a great hero because of this battle. Who was? What was his name? All right. That's found in First Samuel chapter fourteen, verse one. Is there any other uh, question, Jacob, that you thought would be helpful for us to answer and maybe get a little perspective of the Hebrew passages there? Were there any other passages you had circled for tonight?
6: Well, uh, <clears throat> I kind of like. Um, Year number sixteen, in Samuel. Uh huh. Okay. When the Philistines put the Ark in the temple of their false god Dagon, what happened to the idol? <laughs>
3: when the Philistines put the Ark, remember they they captured the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, a very embarrassing and and a terrible thing that happened. The Philistines conquered uh, uh, captured the Ark of the Covenant. And, from this particular battle, uh, the Israelis had carted the the Ark of the Covenant, kind of like a good luck charm or you know a rabbit's foot sort of a thing, out, thinking that the Ark would guarantee them victory, uh, which they were not supposed to do. And the enemy, the Philistines, captured the Ark and they placed the Ark in the temple of their false god Dagon. And something amazing happened. What happened to the, this false god, the idol of this false god Dagon? What happened when it was left there? when the Ark of the Covenant was left there in the temple. And that's found in First Samuel chapter five, verse three. What happened to that the idol of this false God Dagon? Okay. Another question? What do you think, Jacob?
6: Well, from First Samuel.
3: You know, I know one that you have in the past, you've that? uh kind of lacked from the gospel of Luke. What's that? And that is that question uh from chapter twenty four. When Jesus appeared to his eleven disciples, what did he do to demonstrate that he was indeed bodily resurrected? It's the number ten in the Gospel of Luke. Oh, do you remember that question? I you do. Always talk yes, to us I, do. yes I do. A little bit about when Jesus appeared to his eleven disciples, the eleven rem- remaining disciples. Uh, what did he do to demonstrate to them that he was not a ghost? but that he was indeed uh, fully, indeed bodily resurrected from the dead. And that's found in Luke chapter 24, verse 41. It has something to do with uh, with camping out, you know, uh, eating, you know, eating out on the, uh, on the uh, shore of the Lake uh, the, uh, Galilee. What did Jesus do to demonstrate that he was indeed bodily, physically resurrected from the dead? There's some questions for you. I don't, uh, we've got three from the book of 1 Samuel, uh, two from the Gospel of Luke, and I guess we've answered our questions from the Pro- Psalms and the Proverbs. Um, I guess I can ask, ask you this one from Psalm 55. The chaos and betrayal that David mentions in Psalm 55, it probably refers to Absalom's rebellion against him. But that chaos and that betrayal were predicted in the life of David as a result of what sin in his life. What sin did what sinful thing did David do that caused a great amount of chaos and upheaval in his family relationships, uh, that the sword visited uh, his family? It was predicted as a result of what sin in David's life. You'll read that in Psalm 55. And I think some of you are going to know the answer to that question as well.
6: Any, anything else, Jacob? Or do we oh, just wait know. for the phones to ring? You know, uh, other than that, how about uh, I did hear on the radio when I was driving in, it talked about uh, the old lady who put the two pennies into the temple. Uh-huh. Now, and why would you, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay um you know and uh, is it just the fact that she gave out of her poverty or is there something else going on do you think yeah
3: i remember you talking about this last year most of us us uh, uh, uh more simple uh gentile believers and you know we're english speaking and american you know 2000 years after the fact and we we don't have the benefit of that that jewish language and cultural background and so on we maybe don't recognize some of the in-depth, but we just read it and think, oh, how sweet. Mm-hmm. This little lady gave uh, just a very little bit of money, but it was all she had, and it was inspiring and uplifting, and we remember her here 2,000 years later. We w- remember the offering of that simple little uh, widow lady, and it inspires us and helps us to understand the, the theme of, uh, of uh, gratitude and the theme of generosity in giving to the Lord. Uh, so it does have a meaning. It does have a significance at that level. But I remember you've scratched beneath the surface a little bit of that story in the past, and you told us something about, <clears throat> I'm
6: trying to remember what it might have been, but I can't. <laughs> well, um, remember when they left Egypt, Yeah. everybody, the smallest coin in the Hebrew is a half shekel. All right. So, and we, we know it's... They're probably going to, these are Jews, it's probably going to be a half shekel.
3: This was her temple tax?
6: Uh, Is we that part call of it? it? Well, I guess you could call it that. But remember, it said that everybody, rich or poor, had to give a half shekel. Okay. Now, why would Jesus say she'll be remembered? That's the second part of it. Uh-huh. Because it's forbidden in the Bible. To count Jews. That's how David got in trouble in the past. Oh, that's right. So what they would do is everybody gave a half shekel, then the half shekels were counted to see how many contributed. (laughs) Okay, now, so she'll be remembered because that half shekel would be counted. You'll find that in Exodus and, I believe, Leviticus. So she was letting herself be counted as Uh, part of the people of Israel. Exactly. And and the reason it's a half shekel, would be like a maybe a half penny to us, the way they're calling it two pennies. But uh, it's rich or poor, you couldn't give less, you couldn't give more. That way, no person could say they contributed more to the upkeep of the temple than anybody else because a rich person could give more. They all gave the, yeah. They gave the same. And therefore, each half shekel was counted and we knew exactly how many people were contributing.
3: That is a very interesting idea, and I just thought of something I'm thinking of these days. Uh, You know, I I believe, I'm not certain of this, but I think I have read this or heard this in in polls and in uh, research that's been done, that that charitable giving is uh, down, at least in the sense of the number of people giving. I don't... Mm -hmm. I think the involvement of the federal government and government agencies and all have taken over, to some extent, through taxation, some of the roles that God's people should be, we should have been involved, you know, caring for the sick and for the ill and building hospitals and taking care of people and the mentally ill and caring for them and so on. these have traditionally, historically, been a role of the people of God and partially because the government intruding and taking over and through taxation. For some reason, people have stopped giving as much, and maybe they have less. I don't even know. But I guess the, the lesson is, is that uh, we're all to be givers, according to the Scriptures. Uh, that's one of the most fundamental things that happens to a person who comes into uh, a, a relationship with the true and living God you almost always see an immediate expression of gratitude. There's a humility and a, and a gratitude to God, and also uh, there's almost always an immediate expression of generosity. Uh, it's to me, I, as I've looked through the scriptures through the years and watched, as you read about the people in the Bible who come in connection with God, in contact with God, almost immediately in each of their lives, there's there's some expression of gratitude or uh, and of generosity, giving to others. There's this, there's this desire that comes out of being redeemed, about, out of being set apart by God and forgiven and cleansed that makes us want to care about well, others. Well, one way
6: that's gone on when you do your taxes and you've got what's called a standard deduction now, yeah. Well, that, what that means is is that even if you make a donation, unless it's a good-sized donation, you can't take credit for it by deductions on your taxes. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of
3: benefit. I mean, that was one way, at uh-huh. least, in which our, our government leaders, our legislators, kind of encouraged people to be generous and to give, uh, to help the poor and to take care of the sick and so on. Was uh, That was one of the ways they helped. But, of course, as I said... the government is eating into going into a realm that it would not supposed to be in. Uh, the government that is not the role of the government. Uh, and of course there's very clear reason some people say well why not? It's, the government can help the poor. Well it, the reason for that is because it's so full of graft, it's so full of corruption and the government has uh, the, the government has vested interest. They buy they use it now to, to buy votes.
6: Well, and uh, it, way, it's just all kinds yeah. of things wrong with it. Well, the way it works with a standard deduction, if, let's suppose I make, I don't know, 30000 a year, let's say, uh-huh. I have to give a substantial amount of that money to even count that deduction. Right. So, therefore, I won't be giving 10%. I could be easily be giving 20% Right. before I get past the standard deduction. So people just naturally take the standard deduction. And what happens is, and, and uh, you know, I've actually thought to myself that they, especially higher income earners, uh-huh. they are paying a lot of taxes. Lot Those of taxes tax. are used for things like welfare, et cetera. And, and I'm not saying that shouldn't go on, but I am saying that that is charity.
3: Well, it depends on their attitude, of course.
6: Well, attitude may be important, heart, but, the, I mean, but, the, that... but the truth is if that money is going to help somebody, let say it needs food or food stamps, That's really a charitable contribution. And what's fascinating to me is that I think that should be counted and thought of as a charitable contribution. It may be a thought that people don't like, but I have thought about that because I'm thinking, wait a minute. If I'm paying all this money and instead of me giving it to some place to help somebody that needs food, if the government's taking it and helping somebody that needs food, isn't that a charitable deduction? Well, it should be seen
3: in that light. I see what you're saying, and there should be some credit given for it. But no, we don't. We don't think of that, and we just simply lambast the people who pay at those rates and so on. the The, the idea of the government becoming a, a a charitable organization and the redistribution of the wealth from the, from the the earners and the, the people who create wealth and so on down to those who do not. It's got so many problems with it, uh, and there was a reason that the government was not given that particular task. And uh, it, it, some people have even asked me, Jacob, in, in the past from the biblical point of view. I, I know there was a time in the church, in the early church, we read reading the book of Acts, that uh, which is another book of the New Testament written by uh, Dr. Luke here. Uh, you know, some people at least believe that the writer of the Gospel of Luke and also of the book of Acts and they talk about the people. It says in Jerusalem, in the church there, that the people uh, gave and brought their offerings so that they could help support mm-hmm. the people who were suffering in the city. Those other believers who were who had lost their jobs or for some reason were suffering because of their faith. And people say, well, that's that's uh, socialism. That's redistribution of the wealth. See there that the socialism is biblical, but of course the big difference is that was voluntarily. Voluntary. They gave. Voluntarily. Well,
6: actually, I know. taxation in, is not in voluntary. The, in the New Testament, it's generosity, it's charity, it's giving voluntarily. Yeah. Actually, in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, it is really a requirement. Whether you want to or not, you must do it. But there was no enforcement uh there there certainly was nobody got in trouble they didn't, <laughs> exactly. but if you're going to do what the law says that's i mean the god's law exactly that's what you did, sure, but I mean, so nobody's it, going to have to I, the
3: point is is even then it was- in essence, it was voluntary because there were great periods of time when people didn't support the priesthood and they didn't support the temple and and so on and of course, the prophets preached and and tried to say, "Look, you know you're supposed to do this, so uh true giving giving is voluntary now that's why i said it's in the heart of the giver i think maybe some people do in their taxation when the government takes uh that they do think of it you know uh redemptively at least they say well maybe that's the way they in their hearts come to peace with the idea of the government taking but it was never the plan of god the the government was never to be the um the the uh, instrument of charity, and, and it, it was it was to be God's people, giving generously and voluntarily to help their fellow man. And of course, that's what it was in our own country for long, long time. And then slowly, with the encroachment of government taking over more and more of the functions of, and getting more and more in power, and more and more of our uh, uh, of the wealth of, of the nation. It's it's come to this. But anyway, Soapy's not getting on his little soapbox here. I'm just uh, kind of. Talking it through here, this little incident, uh, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke well, with his, let me, let me ask you, widow woman. Let me ask this you a bit. hard question. Okay? okay, ask me a hard question. hard question, question okay. But, uh, but a question I can answer and, okay. and
6: look good in the do process. Do you think, if the government was not doing it, do you think that we would all live by the biblical laws of charity and, and do that for people that needed it?
3: I suspect that God's people would, or at least to a far greater extent than they are. Because, of course, this is... This is not a mandate of generosity and so on to to those who don't uh, follow God and love God. And that's the reason, I think, perhaps we had the whole idea that if you give voluntarily, and see, the advantage of that is when you give voluntarily, you target that. You give that to local 501c3, five local charity organizations that train young people for jobs, that heal the sick, and there's an accountability built in because of local... The, the problem with government... And particularly the federal government, being the the instrument of charity, is that they can't hold people accountable effectively. When you have it local, we know these people. We know our. We know when someone's trying to con and and, and uh, kind of taking advantage of the system. And, and and it would be less likely to
6: happen. Well, also you may have something you would not prefer as your own personal beliefs to contribute to. Exactly. So you can direct where you want to go. You can s- target the things. Uh, yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, oh, that's we speak of abortion and other things that are part of our culture today that uh, most believers don't really want to be helping to finance it. Yeah, very interesting topic that brought up all around this little widow woman who gave these two lepka, lepta. Uh, and these two pennies. And uh, Jacob has helped remind us of the the historical, the Hebrew background of that experience. Jesus said she gave more than anyone else. What a great testimony. I hope that can be said of your life and mine. See you next week, folks. Okay. Bye bye.
2: dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our
3: culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box
2: 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218.
1: Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Sophie and The Bible Live Broadcast. You may
2: also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America
3: and the world.